We'll be looking at Romans chapter 12 today. If our country was running out of some natural resource like water, for example, everyone would be attentive to their water usage. We'd be monitoring lake and river levels, checking the aquifers, and, and pouring money into plans to produce clean water. That is, if we knew we were running out. If we didn't realize it, we'd all wake up one day to find we were in deep trouble. Our country, and maybe our world, is running out of an important relational resource. And we may be in real trouble before we realize it. And that relational resource is honor, or we could call it respect. We see it in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in the halls of Congress. Children don't respect their parents or student their teachers. Of course, we've heard forever about the lack of respect children show their parents. But I have to agree with a comment C.S. Lewis made long ago. I've been far more impressed by the bad manners of parents to children than by those of children to parents. A world without honor is almost as horrific a place to live as a world without water. Souls wither and die for lack of honor, and they kill for it, too. Our souls need honor to give it and to receive it, as truly as our bodies need water. Our homes should be places of honor, places where honor is bestowed and received, and so should our church. But is that really a biblical emphasis? Is there really any biblical concern on honor, respect, quick search of the NIV for the word formed on the honor base shows its use in 199 verses and another 44 verses for, for respect. That admittedly falls short of the number of uses of other important biblical words like prayer of faith, but it's definitely in the same ballpark. God knows his children do not thrive. You do not thrive unless you're giving and receiving honor. <clears throat> That's never more true than in our relationship with God. He has bestowed mind-blowing honor on us. The psalmist marvels at it and says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. But that's only the beginning. God honored us even more by giving his son for us. We are bought At a price, St. Paul says. And that price God set on us bestows honor unimaginable since the price was the blood of his own son. Giving honor to God and receiving the honor he gives is the foundation for an honorable life. But we build on that foundation by honoring the people around us, beginning in our nuclear family and working outward to our church family and then beyond. The absence of honor is like the absence of water for our bodies, or even air. We gasp for it. Being in a family or a church where honor is scarce is like being in a room where the oxygen has been depleted. All you want to do is get outside and breathe. As parents and as church leaders, we need to take this seriously. Why do our kids stay away? We might blame it on a hundred things. Their friends, work, busyness, irresponsibility. 
But the answer may simply be that our home is honor depleted and that their souls can't breathe there. Now we want to focus on Romans chapter 12, verse 10. But I want to read that important verse to you in the context in which it comes, which provides a compelling picture of what life should look like in a church and at home, a life of mutual, sincere love. I'm going to read from verse 9 through the end of the chapter. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay? By the way, evil is never overcome by evil. There's only one thing in the universe that can overcome evil, and it's good. Listen again to verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Here we see the place honor has in the Christian church and by extension in the Christian home. In a climate of honor, people can grow into their best selves, their true selves. Tomatoes grow in a mild climate. Cacti grow in a desert. Pineapples grow in a tropical climate. But people grow in an honor climate. Trying to raise children to become their true selves, the people God dreamed them to be before they were even born. In a climate of dishonor, it's like trying to grow a pineapple in the Arctic. So let me ask you, do you have climate control in your home, and is the climate set to honor? St. Paul says, honor one another above yourselves. Another way of translating the original language would be, in regard to honor, take the lead. In regard to honor, take the lead. The verb in this verse literally means go before. Paul wants each of his readers to go first in showing honor in their families and in their churches. Some scholars even translate outdo one another in showing honor. But I don't think Paul was encouraging competition so much as leadership. James Dunn translates showing the way to one another in or as regards to honor. But isn't that exactly what we don't want to do? We want to be shown honor first, and then we'll show it to others. When my wife starts showing me some respect, then I'll be more loving. I'm not even going to consider giving the kids what they ask for until they start respecting me. We sense the need to receive honor before we give it, 
because we believe that giving honor to someone else diminishes our own. And believing that, it's hard to be the one who goes first. Going first is risky business. We might show honor and not get any in return. And so we wait until someone shows us honor first. And of course, the people around us do the same. And instead of creating a rich climate of honor, we have a desert climate of dishonor, where it becomes more difficult by the day to go first, to show the way. Paul understands that, but he doesn't back down from his instruction. He urges us to take the lead, to show others around us the way. Don't wait for others to walk that path first. You take the lead in showing honor. You go first. You walk point. But how can we do that? How can we show honor to people who don't honor us? How can we show honor to people who dishonor us? Giving honor when we're not receiving it seems to diminish our already short supply. And our souls need this stuff, and we know it. It'll be very difficult, maybe even impossible, to follow Paul's instruction here if you believe that your own supply of honor is depleted and is in danger of running out. But if you belong to God's family as one of Jesus' people, that changes everything. You can honor others without fear of losing your own. As the psalmist said, your salvation and honor depend on God, not on somebody else. Once you see that God has supplied you with all the honor you'll ever need, you'll be able to take the lead in showing it to others. But we have to understand what honor is before we can see that this is so. The word here is frequently translated another way in the Bible. It's translated as price. To honor a thing is to set a high price on it. To dishonor a thing is to set a low price on it to treat it as if it has no value. You can see the sense of the words very clearly in Matthew chapter 27, verse 9, which is a quote from the prophet Jeremiah. It refers to the amount of money the Jewish leaders paid Judas to betray Jesus. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel. That's the NIV. The Greek reads, they took the 30 silver coins, the price of the one whose price the sons of Israel priced. The word is there in its noun or verb form three times. Or it could be translated, the honor of the one whose honor the sons of Israel honored, or rather dishonored, at the insulting price of 30 pieces of silver. The word price in Matthew, same one we have is honor in Romans 12.10. Same word. When you honor something, you set a price on it. You value it at a certain amount. Both Judas and the sons of Israel dishonored Jesus by setting the value of his life so low, but God has honored you forever by setting the value of your life so high. For, St. Peter says, you know it wasn't with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious, that's the adjective form of the same word, but with the precious blood of Christ. What does it matter if others give you honor or don't give you honor when God has placed on you the ineffable honor of calling you his son or daughter? You of all people can lead the way in showing honor if you live out of your identity as the richly honored child of God. So let's think of this in terms of home life. A couple 
A married couple who follows Paul's instruction will value their marriage relationship above everything else excepting God himself and their relationship to him. They'll set an incredibly high price on their marriage relationship and so that they'll know their relationship is worth more than winning that argument or making that purchase. And when they live like this over time, each trying to show the, uh, leading the way and showing honor, their relationship will become all but unbreakable. Now, Scripture places particular emphasis on a man's need for respect. Men seem to be wired to an honor code, which is why nothing works right in marriage or on the job when a man is continually dishonored. But guys, it works both ways. Peter tells husbands to be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. And guess what? That word respect, same word we have translated as honor in Romans 12. In other words, guys, place a high value. Place an incredibly high value on your wife. If your wife doesn't know whether you value her more than your car, you're in trouble. She needs to know that you honor her above job, car, hobby, sports, friends, parents, and wives, your husband needs to see that you honor him more than parents, friends, job, or any other of the things that you rightly value. But this doesn't just apply to husbands and wives. It also applies to the relationships between parents and children. The word honor appears more often in the context of honoring parents than in any other something that our culture has lost. Our home should be places of mutual honor where children learn to honor their parents from parents who honor their parents and who honor each other. And what's true in the home should be true in the church. The elderly should be held in high esteem. Leaders should be honored. Workers should be honored. Men should be honored. Women should be honored. Children should be instructed and cared for in such a way that they learn to honor others and are worthy of honor themselves. Now, if you say, if old and young, leaders and followers, men and women are all to be honored, who's left to do the honoring? Everyone. And that's the point. Those who are honored are best equipped to lead the way in showing honor. Now, we may get all of this up here, that God honored us, that he set an unimaginable value upon us, that we are to take the lead in honoring others, that a climate of honor allows people to grow into their true selves. We may see how important it is, but not know what to do about it. How can we take the lead in showing honor? Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, let me just say this. If you intend, and look, if you don't intend, it's not going to happen. I mean, every week, people all over the world get up from Sunday service after hearing truth and saying, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't intend to do anything about it. But if you intend to take the lead in showing honor in your relationships in obedience to the biblical command, the first thing is to make sure you're not showing dishonor in your relationships. See, the Bible not only talks about showing people honor, it also talks about dishonor. Let me mention a few things that I saw in the scriptures that express dishonor. The first, and it's surprising how often this, this appears in the Bible, 
is having sex outside marriage, outside its proper domain. Sex outside marriage, outside of your marriage with someone else, or apart from marriage, will dishonor your spouse. It will dishonor the other person's spouse. It will dishonor your parents. Sex outside biblical guidelines dishonors a person's own body. That is, people who engage in sex indiscriminately or outside the parameters given by God are people who set a low value on themselves, who are, as Paul puts it, dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchange the truth of God for a lie. I suspect that young people are far less likely to dishonor their own bodies in this way when they're raised in a climate of honor in their own homes. We can complain about the sexual promiscuity of this generation, but the last generation bears a lot of the blame. Committing violence is another way in Scripture of dishonoring a person. Violence is a powerful way of showing dishonor. Domestic violence demeans its victim. Whatever a person may say with his mouth, violence shouts, I do not value you. You are nothing. Much of the street violence we hear about in the media, the gang violence that destroys so many families, is about honor and about dishonor. Stealing from a person is a dishonor in Scripture. Insults, however subtle or droll, are usually an instrument of dishonor. You know, I used to be skilled at delivering an insult in a humorous way. I was good at it. I thought I was being witty. But many years ago, before you, any of you except for my wife, knew me, the Lord talked to me about it. I had been dishonoring people as a strategy for honoring myself. It was easier to bring other people down than to bring myself up. And as I say, the Lord spoke to me about it. I still remember the time and the place. And I intentionally quit doing it. Not perfectly, but I'm happy to say I'm no longer skilled at it. Insults dishonor people. Ignoring people or treating them as inferiors is another way of showing dishonor. James complains that this was happening in the church, in the very place where climate control is always supposed to be set to honor. People were ignoring others and dishonoring them. Now, if God's speaking to you about this, morning, about this this morning, you're thinking about your own home, your own situation, and you've decided... You're not going to walk away and do nothing. You've decided to take the lead in showing honor in your home and at church. Begin by making sure you're not showing dishonor, ignoring your parents, speaking derisively to your children, acting violently. These have no place among Jesus' people. Then begin to actively show honor at home and at church. Now, here's what I suggest. Create an honor role of people in your circle. Parents, spouses, children, church leaders, church workers, as well as friends, and think through ways of showing them honor. Actually, write their names on a list, and next to each name, write down how you intend to show that person honor. Here are some ways I discovered in the Bible to do that. One, attend to their needs. If your spouse or child needs help, 
You honor him or her by giving it. But sometimes we're quicker to help anyone else while we ignore the needs closer to home. Maybe we get more strokes from others than we do from our own family members. But remember, you're not waiting to receive honor. You're leading the way and showing it. You're walking point on this. Is there a way you can show honor to someone on your list by lending help? Another way to show honor is to offer honest praise. Flattery is dishonoring because it's manipulative. But genuine praise honors a person. And by the way, this may be the easiest way to take the lead in showing honor. How can you compliment someone on your honor roll? Write it down. Another way of showing honor is to give preference to another person's desires over your own. Your wife wants to go on a Caribbean cruise, but you want to go on a week-long bear hunt up near Hudson Bay. By choosing your spouse's preference over yours, you do her honor. Or maybe it's the other way around. You know, maybe the gal wants to go up to Hudson Bay and the guy wants to go to the Caribbean. Is there some disagreement between you and someone that you've listed or you will list on your honor roll? If it's not an ethical matter, a matter of obedience to God, just a matter of preference, show honor by doing what that person wants. Write it down. Presenting a gift is a way of showing honor. A meaningful gift, and it must be meaningful, shows real honor. Is there a person that you can gift on your honor roll? Write it down. Providing financial care for someone shows that person honor. When it costs us time and money to take care of aging parents, for example, we show them honor. When we sacrifice some of our resources for a friend in need, we honor that person. We say, you're more valuable to me than this money is. Is there someone on your honor roll that you can support financially? Write it down. Finally, entrusting important work to someone honors that person. So when in Jesus' story, the great man says to his servant, well done, my good servant, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. He honors that servant in numerous ways by giving him his attention, by giving him genuine praise, and by giving him important work to do. Is there someone you can honor by delegating to him or her some important task? Okay, I've just given you six ways to show honor to the people on your honor roll. Attend to their needs, offer honest praise, give preference to their desires, present them a meaningful gift, sacrifice financially for them, and trust them with meaningful work to do. Now, Consider the names that you've written or you're thinking about writing down on your honor roll. Did you write God on that list? If not, you've left out the most important person. How can you show him honor? You can do it in the same ways we've just listed. Offer him honest praise. Attend to his kingdom's needs. Give preference to his desires over your own. You, of course, will need to know what those desires are, and the Bible is the great place to start. Present him a meaningful gift. How about your body for his service? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Sacrifice financially for him. Entrust him with the meaningful work of being your guard and guide and your boss. That is, your Lord. So you can't get this honor thing right between you and your family or your friends when it's wrong between you and God. We are free to honor others 
only because God has honored us. And we're never free to dishonor others. They belong to God, and we can't dishonor them without dishonoring him. Now, that doesn't mean we can't disagree or even rebuke each other. When done in love, those actions honor a person rather than dishonoring him. They show that person matters, that he or she is important and valued. And that's what God has done for us. He's shown us in various ways, none more important than sending his son, that we mean something, that we count, that we're important to him and that he values us immensely. When we live out of that relationship with him, we are freed, empowered to do the same for other people. Now, I'm going to close by reminding you of a truth I've repeated throughout this series. This is not a self-help program. If you've written down a bunch of stuff and you're going to go home and do it right now and you do it by yourself, you will fail. You can't repair yourself or your family or your relationship on your own. This is a God help program. You need his help and his power. So talk to him. Ask him for help. And then do what he shows you to do. All right, let's pray. God, I confess that I have often been poor at this. Coming out of my own insecurities, I've not honored others as you would have me do. And I know that's true, not just of me, but of many of us. Lord, I ask you to please forgive us, but also to change us. To make us people who bask in the honor of being your blood-bought children and who honor others. Please do this for Jesus' sake.